0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting our show. I am excited to announce my wife and I have welcomed our beautiful twin girls into the world. And I am blessed to be able to stay home with them over the next few weeks to bond as a family and help my wife heal. In the meantime, we want to go back into the vault and share some of our more popular episodes from the past to help you make better business decisions. If you are enjoying this content... It would honor us greatly if you subscribed to our show and left
1: a five-star
0: review and now let's get to
1: the podcast the question is what do you want to look like in 2025 and in really thinking that through and then work your way back
0: Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So we just want to welcome you if this is your first time into our Kelly family. And just let you know that we exist to make sure you get the best resources possible. So if you're looking for some expert advice, if you're wrestling with a leadership question, maybe you're in a spot where you don't know what to do as a leader with your organization. Or maybe you would just love to get a hold of some of our faculty and just pick their brain. Or maybe you know of an individual who would make a great guest for our show. Reach out to us and let us know. Send us an email to roipod, That's R O I P O D. At iupui.edu. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're management management within a massive organization, the word, how do we scale or questions about scaling always come into conversations and it becomes a big buzzword, kind of like culture or, or kind of like, you know, uh, growth strategy. You know, we have all these business uh, buzzwords, but what do they actually mean and how do we actually implement them? On this episode, we have the honor of sitting down with the managing partner at High Alpha, Scott Dorsey, a venture capital studio helping entrepreneurs conceive, launch, and scale new businesses. Scott, I just want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. So you guys have a very successful company here in Indianapolis and have grown it to, I mean, a very big footprint in the tech community. And, you know, as we talk about the idea of scaling, I'd first love uh, to just hear your story about how you were able to grow this organization to where it is today.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, many of us started our career with Exact Target, you know, and had this extraordinary, you know, 10-year-plus run. Of growing and scaling a software company that that ultimately became a leader in the digital marketing space And you know we we learned and grew as individuals as a team and as a company and, and, and love indianapolis and and by the way i'm a proud you know IU school of business grad also. So it's wonderful for me to be a part of the program with high alpha which we started five years ago it was a way to pay it forward and really leverage all of our learnings and our experience from exact target to help the next generation of tech entrepreneurs and and really lift up our tech community, and hopefully create more breakout successes like we had with Exact Target. So so we've had we've had a blast, Matt. We have about forty of us on the team. We're one part startup studio, one part venture capital fund, and all of us are focused on starting and scaling B two B SaaS companies. And we have an incredible mix of people. We have data scientists engineers, product designers, marketers, HR, talent, finance, kind of every function one would need to start and scale a software company very rapidly.
0: An exact target for a lot of people that may not be familiar with, I mean, was a very successful company that got bought out by Salesforce eventually. Um, You know, so talk about, you know, for your own personal leadership philosophy, kind of how you uh, and your team, you know, led that, uh, that growth within your organization
1: was a remarkable experience, Matt, and, you know, one of a lot of good fortune, good luck, great timing. You know, we kind of caught the wave of digital marketing and all marketing moving online, and we caught the wave of software as a service and cloud. But the the real reason behind our success, I believe, was just building a culture that super talented people wanted to be a part of. And they they cared for one another. They cared for our customers. They were excited to be a part of a high-growth tech company right here in indiana and you know we proved that we could compete on a global scale and it was it was an extraordinary experience and and one of a lot of personal growth for me and i think everybody along along with us you know three of us started the company first-time software entrepreneurs no technical background very little capital and you know step by step we built an amazing company we ultimately went public in march of 2012 on the new york stock exchange we grew the company to about 2,000 employees all around the world, about 1,500, right in downtown Indianapolis, and then we ultimately sold the Salesforce in summer of 13 for two and a half billion dollars. You know, just an outcome you know way beyond our wildest dreams or expectations, but most importantly, it it produced an incredible experience for our investors and our employees who are finding their own ways to pay it forward, you know, investing in new startups, starting new companies, or continuing with Salesforce and and growing their careers in a meaningful way with that remarkable company. And very proud that Salesforce, you know, now has over 2,000 employees here in downtown Indy, tallest building in the state of Indiana is the Salesforce Tower. So I think we're forever branded a tech community and an emerging tech community. And we were, you know, just grateful to be a part of it.
0: You know, and as you just kind of sit back and you know, go back to that first day when you and a couple a couple guys, a couple people were sitting in a living room, you know, getting this thing going to now taking a healthy look back and seeing where it's grown and where it's gone. I mean, what runs through your mind as just someone to be able to leave your footprint and your legacy, you know, for so many other people?
1: It was a great feeling. And we started, Matt, with just like the humblest of humble beginnings. we had a tiny little office in Greenfield, Indiana. Three of us started the company. We bootstrapped the company. You know, we worked without, with worked without a salary. Raised money from the only source that believed in us: our friends and our family members. <laughs> and uh, you know, kind of step by step, uh, created something that uh, that grew quickly. And you know, we think made a big impact on the community. So our our ambition and our goals got a lot bigger as we went. But but early on, and it's really the core of what we do at High Alpha. It's about finding a problem that you really want to solve and and focusing on innovation and hard work and serving customers and you know building an organization with the right values and culture that that really talented people want to be a part of it and it's it's really neat that we're now able to do this at scale on a repetitive way you know within high alpha so we started 11 new companies in high alpha one and with high alpha two we've started 13. so we started 24 new b2b SaaS companies that wouldn't have existed without high alpha and most importantly, we're partnering with remarkable founders that are so gifted and talented, and, and I know they're going to build big, successful businesses. And, you know, it's an honor to be a, a sounding board and, and a coach for them on their own entrepreneurial journey, because I, I certainly had an extraordinary amount of help. You know, the, the mentors and advisors and investors I had along the way pulled me up and helped me grow. And, you know, it's a blessing to be able to try to do the same for others. So
0: as we talk about this idea of scaling and that's our going to be our topic for today's podcast, you know, we we want to drill it down into three unique areas and scaling. Because first off is, you know, you want to scale yourself, you want to scale your team, and then ultimately you want to scale your business and how all of those relate. And so, you know, obviously for all those who've been listening to the podcast for a while, we embrace the ideology that an organization is only as good as the individuals running them, the people with the character and and the leadership skills. They're only going to be and grow to the level of that individual or group of individuals. So Obviously, we need to start with ourselves as organizational leaders and scaling yourself. So, Scott, talk about, you know, this idea of scaling. And before we even get into that, talk about, you know, how you define scaling and what, what you kind of put in the forefront um, so we can get the same and similar language. And then we'll get into, you know, how do you begin to scale yourself and what that involves?
1: Yeah, I love this lane of conversation, Matt. So I really I appreciate you exploring it with me. So I think it's a right framework, honestly. When I think about how to scale there's how to scale yourself as a person, as a leader, second, how to scale your team. And then third, how do you scale your business? And those three are very different, but they're very complementary. And if you get them right, you can have, you know, real winning formula around how to, how to grow businesses successfully. So let's start with scaling yourself. And, And I was, I was extraordinarily fortunate, fortunate during the exact target journey to go from scrappy little startup CEO, to scale up CEO, to CEO of a public company, to you know, executive within Salesforce. And it, it was not clear to me, or probably the people around me, that I could go that far or extend that far. And it only happened because I had so many people helping and coaching and uh, you know pushing me to grow. So scaling yourself, I think about, first and foremost, learning. What are you doing to learn and get better every day? Reading listening to podcasts meeting new people expanding your network going to events You have to have a hunger and a curiosity to learn and grow That's really really core You also have to surround yourself with people you can learn from who are your coaches. Who are your mentors? Who are the colleagues you work with that just make you better? That's that's really really important and and having a curiosity to learn and grow when we took our first round of venture in 2004, it was from a firm called Insight Venture Partners, and they had extraordinary learning programs, not only for CEOs but for leaders of every function within a tech company. And I, I was a sponge. I t- attended every program, and it was helpful that I didn't, I didn't have a tech background. I was a first-time CEO, so I just knew I had to learn. I didn't, ha- I didn't have the blessing of knowledge. You know, it I was it was more the beginner's mind and curiosity, and one of the nicest compliments they gave me was they felt that any CEO in their portfolio, I took advantage of their learning opportunities more and better than, than, than anyone else. It was probably just because I had less experience and I just, I just knew I needed to learn. So, so I think scaling yourself, it's, it's learning. It's, and it's surrounding yourself with amazing coaches and mentors who care about you and want to help you grow. I've, uh, Red and I, I've often spoke about this idea of having like your own personal board of directors you know you have a board for your business and you're working to build a diverse board with different experiences that can help your company the same is really true for you as an individual who's your personal board of directors who would be the six people you tap on the shoulder to say they're my my personal coach and mentor and probably for different reasons who do I lean on for family advice or faith advice or business advice or career advice? You know, and, and think proactively about who's your personal board of directors and then make sure you nurture those relationships and make sure you let those people know how important they are in your life and, and how meaningful they are. And I think it's important at any age that you, you have people in your life that you can learn from and, and you lean on to make you better.
0: And I think that's so fascinating to think about because as an organizational leader, if you don't work to find your next uh, season or your next level of growth, you'll stagnate, you know, and hit your ceiling of of, of growth and just stay there and then your organization, you know, will will stagnate and hit your organization. Your team, you know, because no team member is going to surpass your leadership and where where you're growing. You know, so when you were in that season, especially when you were in that startup uh, CEO, you were the entrepreneurial CEO, the go getter, and then you got into a public trading. CEO, you know, you had your mindset had to shift, your your decision making had to shift. What did you uh, determine was the most important things to focus on for you to scale yourself to that next level?
1: This might be surprising, Matt, but I think one of the biggest kind of accelerants of my growth was building a phenomenal leadership team at Exact Target. the The more I was able to hire and attract talent who had already kind of been there done that they they had already scaled software companies at extraordinarily high level they in many ways had more experience than i had but i was i was comfortable hiring them and i was lucky and fortunate that i could convince them to join us on this journey that helped me scale because it challenged me that oh my goodness okay if i've got scott mccorkle running technology or andy kofoid running sales they have an extraordinary amount of experience i've got to bring my a game every day and I'm, i'm learning from them maybe more than they're learning from me and and being open to that. And and the more you surround yourself with excellence, it just lifts you up and just makes you better. And and for me, early on when we were small, I had a much higher tendency to be a micromanager, be kind of down in every detail. And I, I still like to do that. I mean, that's still a tendency that that I've got to protect against or at least pick my spots. And when you hire leaders that have so much more experience and domain experience and you have – uh, you you don't need to do that. You can't do that, and it kind of helps you elevate and make sure you're staying at a more strategic level, and you're kind of setting over pri- overall priorities and resource allocation for the business. And you're trusting the amazing people you've hired, and and your job really becomes more of supporting them, knocking down obstacles that are getting in their way. And and what I loved is we were hiring more and more experienced leaders. I I didn't even have to really. I didn't have to tell them what to do. They already knew what to do. In fact, they probably knew what to do better than I did. So they they were very self-directed. And and it just shifts your role as a CEO in the business when you've surrounded yourself with that kind of talent who has so much experience and they're so driven and so self-directed, that's not a role you have to play.
0: And before we get into, you know, the obviously the scaling the business side, you can't scale a business if you don't have people coming on your team to kind of be able to uh, take on more responsibility because the more responsibility they can take on, then, you know, the bigger the business can grow. So for you, you know, when you're determining it, scaling your team and, and working to get those people on, how do you define
1: a successful team? It's a great question. I think it starts with, with culture. You know, it starts with are you? Do you have this? Do you, are you aligned around the same set of values? Do you, you know, do you care about the same things? You know, are you all kind of pointing and aiming in the right direction? Teams cannot operate at a high level without really good alignment around core values. So, I, to me, that's kind of the starting point: is core values and cultural fit. Next is is really diversity in in every form of diversity. Could be gender diversity, ethnic diversity, diversity of experience, diversity of thought, um, people who are just wired very, very differently. It's it's really having a diverse team, and as a leader, understanding what are your strengths, but also what are your gaps, and making sure you 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 have a team that's that can fill in your gaps, and and over time, and I'm still learning, but I learned a lot about what my gaps were, and found you know creative ways to surround myself with talented people that complimented me well and, and filled in a gap. So so I think it's kind of finding that harmony and that strategic fit across the team and then making sure it's really clear what's, what's the vision, what does success look like, what are our goals, and making sure everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction. So when you start
0: you know, actually begin to bring people on your team, you know, your businesses, you're, you're starting to grow, you know, you as an organizational leader, see the need for, all right, I have to have, I have to put people on to, to take some off my plate. You know, when do you begin that process? Cause I think for a lot of organizational leaders, you know, there's a, a tendency to bring people on too fast and you're kind of, kind of getting, uh, oh, maybe I didn't, maybe we're too fast. Maybe finances aren't ready. And they're potentially it could be too slow. You know, oh, you know, you miss out on some opportunities, you miss out on business deals. Uh, when for you, do you determine is the right time to start expanding and scaling your team uh, on, on your organization?
1: Sure. It's a great question. It's a hard question to, to answer. You know, it's all about resource allocation and all about, I think, understanding that your economic model. And in the world that I live in, it's about raising outside capital. It's about building software, that you can sell kind of over and over again, you know, via the subscription model that's inherent in SaaS, and then, and then understanding when to really hit the accelerator. So in, in tech, you know, typical lifestyle, you're going to kind of typical life cycle of an early stage tech company. You, you know, you assemble a founding team and hopefully they complement each other. Well, then you really hire the software development team. You start hiring product managers and engineers and, and maybe data scientists to start building the product. We do some founder selling to make sure that we can bring early customers on board. We have product market fit. We're solving a real problem. We figure out pricing and packaging. And then once you start to see that you do have a product a technology solution the market wants, then you start scaling the marketing and sales side. And then over time it's, you know, it's really shifting resources around. It was really, it was funny at exact target. You know, there were years where we were hiring, three, four, 500 employees a year, and you'd think that's an abundance of resources, but I guarantee you every hiring manager we had said, I need more, <laughs> I can't keep up. And, uh, and so there's, you know, scarcity and prioritization becomes really important as well. But it, I think it really is about understanding your economic model, understanding your, ex- your access to capital, your funding sources, and then making smart decisions one of the best moves we made at exact target which was very counterintuitive we actually filed to go public the first time in december of 07 the financial crisis hit in early 08 and we were unable to go public and we ended up staying on file for all of 08 and then we had to pull our ipo listing in early 09 and at the same time we raised a 70 million dollar round of capital and really really went after it but the counterintuitive move we had was that in 08, 09, all of our competitors were, were cutting back. They were just very similar today to the economic crisis today. They were, they were cutting headcount, cutting costs. They were doing everything they could to extend their capital runway. We had, had enough capital and we had insight into our business that, that things were really, really working and it was time for us to go faster. It was time for us to move up into the enterprise segment, time for us to expand internationally, Like we had insight into our business where we knew we could thrive in an economic downturn because, and I love the name of your podcast, by the way, ROI, our technology, digital marketing technology, we had bi-directional ROI. We were generating more revenue for our customers at a lower cost. That's a pretty good formula. So anyway, long story short, we went super aggressive in early 2009 Hiring heavy into R&D, software development, opening international offices, expanding our sales footprint, while all of our competitors were going the other direction, they were pulling back. And it's really that counterintuitive move that allowed us to really blast right past our competitive set. And our growth rates were accelerating in 2010, 2011, 2012, all because of the counterintuitive investment we we made in 09.
0: That's amazing to hear. And, and, you know, before we get into the uh, scaling of your actual business and start bringing some of those principles into, you know, the business end, one thing that plagues high tech especially is such a high turnover rate, especially in, uh, you know, development coding and and things that... specifically address software solutions or, you know, there's this very um, high turnover rate. And so when you're trying to scale and you're trying to bring the right people on your team and you're also being plagued by this, you know, potential of, uh, of another company coming in and stealing some of your talent, you know, how do you as an organization work uh, to combat that and to really um, build a team that wants to be a part of what you're doing?
1: I think it's I think it's one of the big advantages we have in in India and probably in all the Midwest. Generally, I would say is a higher degree of loyalty. You know, if I look at our coastal competitors, you know, they really suffered from high turnover. The exact dynamic you're you're describing was kind of hopping from one startup to the next. And in in India in and the Midwest, I think we see a lot less of that. At Exact Target and and the work we do at High Alpha, you know, our focus is create an amazing experience for employees, you know, and I think you do that through caring about them, having strong core values, having a, having a really healthy and growing culture, compensating people. Well, you know, we've always been an advocate that all employees have equity options in the company. So if we succeed, everybody succeeds. And And I think if you, you snap those pieces together and you're, and you're hopefully also, you're doing great work in the community too. You know, there's a, there's a give first, you know, philanthropic element to what we're able to do when when, when tech companies work. You bring that all together, you know, your job as a leader is to create a company that amazing people want to be a part of and they want to grow with you and stay with you for a long, long time. And I, that, that can be achieved.
0: So as we get into uh, the scaling and actual business practices and working to grow this organization to becoming very successful, you know, Before an organization even begins to think or starts pulling the trigger on how they want to scale, maybe they want to open up a new branch, maybe they want to open up a new, you know, um, development within their organization and enterprise, however that scaling looks. You know, as someone who works with entrepreneurial companies and even been a part of scaling yourself, where does an organization uh, and the leadership need to start
1: before deciding to pull the trigger that we are going to scale? Right, two thoughts come to mind, Matt. One is kind of back to that earlier point of just understanding your business and your unit economics and, and really understanding the market. So, you have to have a good sense for what growth looks like. In the world of tech, it's all about growth, you know, it's grow or die. So, our companies are growing 40, 50% on the low end. So, it's, it's all about how to maximize growth opportunities it's it's about being strategic around how do you increase your market opportunity we call it tam total adjustable market and the ceo and entrepreneur has to always be thinking about how do i expand the market size and that's a delicate balance you need to be doing something that is focused enough that it's repeatable you know your ideal customer profile you in in tech terms we call it an mvp minimal viable product when you're getting started you know you have to be small enough that what you do, you can be excellent at and you can deliver value, but you need to have your eye on the horizon of how do I, how do I increase the market opportunity? How do I make this bigger with every month, quarter, and year that goes by? And uh, and for us at Exact Target, it was about expanding from selling to small businesses up to bigger enterprises. So we had a segment component to growth. The second was geography. We started out very US centric and then we expand globally. And then the third was product. We started with permission-based email, but then we moved into mobile and social and lots of product adjacencies. So those were the three big levers of our growth. And, and, the, and the same hold true, really, for most businesses, or certainly tech businesses, of what's your segment strategy, what's your geographical strategy, and then, and then what's your product strategy. And hopefully you can find ways to expand all three.
0: When you guys were looking to grow and expand and make a bigger footprint, you know, outside of Indianapolis, outside the country, and even, you know, a global world footprint, you know, what did you focus on as an, as an industry or as a as an organization that built your strategy? You know, so how, like, I guess a better way of saying is how did you build your strategy that ultimately became something that could be repeatable and scaled up?
1: I think you know part of it is, is experimentation, you know, and trying trying different things to see what works and see how you can learn and just being creative and being resourceful. So I'll give an example. In the in the early days of Exact Target, we were very thinly capitalized, you know, scarce resources, and the thought of opening an office in London, for example, was way beyond our reach. We didn't have the the knowledge, the experience, or the capital to do it. However, we started we started bringing clients on board, you know, in London in the UK and across Europe and started to realize that the solution we were bringing to market could work for companies in other geographies. Well, a creative way to bridge the gap was we struck a partnership with a reseller in London who built their business around exact target technology. They became a dedicated kind of reseller and service partner. And we had a promise that if things went well, we'd look to acquire them and fold them in sometime in the future. And, and that's exactly what happened. So it became a very cost effective, low risk way for us to test whether our, our product and our branding and our value would, would work, you know, in other other parts of the world. And what's really interesting, Matt, is that ended up, that was our strategy in the UK that became our strategy in Australia and also became our strategy in Brazil. And a big driver of our growth was acquiring all three of those resellers where when we did the acquisition, we already had customers, we already had employees, we already had some know-how of how to operate in that market. So, so I think a lot of it is just being resourceful and creative and thinking about what your future growth plans might look like and planting some seeds that start to, start to accelerate your learning and start to head you down that path. Finally, as we begin to wrap
0: up this episode, say we're sitting here at a table, you have an entrepreneur um, who's who's at the point where they're ready to scale. They're they're at a point where they feel, hey, I'm ready to go. How would you being gone through this journey already, how would you coach them in getting started and, and taking those steps?
1: I'd probably start with the notion of starting with the end in mind of looking out three to five years and really helping the the CEO think about. And put pen to paper on what's our business look like? What's, so let, let, let's say you and let's say you're running, you're running a company today, Matt, that's got the chance to really, really grow. The question is, what do you want to look like in 2025? And in really thinking that through. What's our market position? How many employees do we have? What's our product offering look like? Where do we have offices? Are we domestic or do we have an international component? really starting with the end in mind, kind of framing out what do you want to look like and then work your way back. And working your way back starts to really build a timeline around when do you need to be making those investments to set yourself up in that position. That was something we did and it was extraordinarily successful because it's so easy to get into the trap of where you're just feeling the operational pressure of hitting the month, hitting the quarter, it's super hard to even look out one year in advance. But when you do that, you end up being very tactical. And and there are times where you just have to float above the business and work on the business, not in the business, and build a longer-term plan and then hold yourself accountable to it. So if you build that picture of what you want to look like three, four, five years down the road, you work on it, you work on it with your team, you have conviction around it, you realize it's probably a stretch and things need to go right, but then you start to socialize it with your board, you socialize it with your investors, and then and you, and you share it with your team, when that happens, you're then accountable. You are accountable to dreaming big and, and hitting that big vision. And I think that can be, a, that can be a, a great catalyzing function to make decisions quicker, to think more boldly, to make sure that really you have your eye on that longer term horizon
0: again scott dorsey managing partner at high alpha a venture studio helping entrepreneurs conceive launch and scale new businesses also a former kelly grad thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and being our guest on the show
1: my pleasure thanks matt go hoosiers
0: this has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.